Hi, it's Michael and David here presenting Small Business Banter. A healthy micro and small business sector means a successful economy and a more vibrant society. Small Business Banter is about helping regional business owners better prepare for the current challenges and also for the next stage of business success. I'm Michael Kerr, founder of Kerr Capital, advisors to business owners. Each week with David Gregory, CEO of the Small Business Mentoring Service, we'll interview a different small business expert or a fellow business owner and operator. And they're going to share their best tips and insights for you, the listener. Small Business Banter is brought to you from the studios of 104.7 Gippsland FM and heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Thanks also to our supporters, Kerr Capital and the Small Business Mentoring Service. Okay, on today's episode of Small Business Banter, I'm very pleased to welcome in Andrew Clements. Andrew is, amongst other things, a legal consultant with the Melbourne office of global law firm King and Wood Mallisons. He's got 30 years or more experience in both uh, tax and legal issues related to employee share schemes, which is what we're going to be talking all about today. He's also the chair of current chair of Employee Ownership Australia, which is an independent not-for-profit based organisation and it promotes employee ownership in Australia with members from listed companies with employee share share schemes through to unlisted startups and small privately owned enterprises. He's got considerable involvement in the tax and corporate reviews of the regulation in relation to employee ownership going across Australia at the moment. He's recently appeared in a parliamentary inquiry into employee ownership uh, instituted or constituted by the Tax and Revenue Committee. And um, he's uh, got a major focus on developing effective succession models through employee ownership. So he's working internationally with um, one of the founding fathers, I think, of the movement, Graham Nuttall, UK policy expert and author of a book. And um, he's also, you know, Graham's had a, a, an influence on this area, you know, right across the globe. So it's great to have Andrew in today. Thanks very much for your time, Andrew. I appreciate it, Michael. It's just a great opportunity to talk about employee ownership. It is indeed. It's something that's um, obviously very dear to your heart, but also um, something that seems to be gathering a little bit of momentum, if not a lot of momentum, you know, across Australia at the moment. So, Given your personal background, extensive background, could you just give um, give us a, just a high-level overview to start with of what employee ownership is all about and, and where, where it's at in Australia at the moment? Yeah, sure, Michael. I, I, mean, I think the important thing out of all of this is to, uh, to abstract a little bit um, and say what it's not. <laughs> in one sense, what it's not is simply about providing a tax concession. Um, it's something that needs to be focused and directed to give employees ostensibly two things, um, a level of influence and control in relation to the business, so influence and control, um, 
and combine that with um, an opportunity to enjoy some of the economic rewards. Now, they may well be just the periodic profits or they may be um, the, the long-term growth in the enterprise. But that's a sort of esoteric expression of it. As with all things, there's, there's lots of detail. But the, the really important question um, when you're looking at employee ownership is, what is it you're trying to achieve? What's the end goal? And is that is that um, determining what that end goal is? Does that initially start with the own the, the current owner of the business and, and and looking at how to make the business more profitable, more sustainable, or as a succession plan? A, um, a combination of, of things. Really, it depends on the segment. So, so if you if you look at it at one end of the spectrum, um, it might be someone who's got a mature business, um, uh, established, it's going well. Uh, they're a baby boomer and they're thinking about what is it that I'm going to do and my family aren't um, necessary successes in relation to the business. They don't have interest and or expertise. How do I pass this on to someone? Um, how, I might, how could I possibly keep an ongoing interest in it um, but not have me committed for it 24-7? So that's one end of the spectrum. I guess the other end of the spectrum is in terms of business life cycle. Um, I'm starting up a new venture, a um, couple of young guys. We've just come out of a consulting firm. We're going to be the next, insert square brackets, Google, Apple, whatever. We've got a great uh, idea. And I need to provide um, some upside to employees so they're going to go on this journey with me. So yeah. you, you kind of look at that and they're, they're, it, it, they're very different purposes. You know, at one end, it's providing the opportunity for employees to come on a journey uh, the other end is to give people the ability to take value, take access, and a transition of the business. So to go to your point, it depends almost entirely on where business is at and what's driving their needs. Okay. So, we, yeah, we've got two ends of a spectrum. We've got uh, mature businesses and we've got young and, uh, and up-and-coming businesses. And so just we'll come back to what might be different about those. But for just for owners – what, what, what are the top line, you know, the couple of things that are really beneficial beneficial for them uh, yeah, as an owner? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's great actually because there's a, um, a really cool report that was done by the Office of the Chief Economist, um, which shows that I'm a nerd that I can think of a report from the Office of the Chief Economist being cool. Um, but it actually um, gives a really good insight into employee ownership. And when you, you read it, it talks about, Lower employee churn, um, higher sales, um, higher profitability, um, greater value-added growth, um, all exist when you've got employee ownership in a venture. Um, but the really interesting thing is, and I think the really important thing for your audience is um, the research shows that they're greater in a small business unlisted environment than they are in a mature listed environment. The so benefits. The benefits. So there's much more upside um, uh, for employee ownership in a small business venture. The challenge, um, which is the corollary of all of this, is that um, there's currently less take-up of uh, employee ownership in small business um, than, than there is in, in, in mature businesses, uh, particularly in Australia. So to go to the nub of your question, Lots of upside in terms of growth, engagement, um, and, and all the things that you'd expect. 
Okay. And so it, it makes sense in a, in a small business environment. There's fewer employees. So what they do or don't do on a day-to-day basis really counts. So I, mm. I guess if, uh, if they've got a, a share of the business or aspire to have a share of the business, then you, it, it's not a, a long bow to draw to say that their performance and their effectiveness and their interest would be higher leading to better financial results. Yeah, and there's this is sort of great anecdotal evidence that you know um, uh, of businesses where, um, and I was, I was talking to Graham the other evening about this in terms of employee ownership trusts, where um, uh, a venture established um, put an employee ownership arrangement in place, and suddenly the employee group started saying, "Well, we don't need to spend money on these things. Um, you know, we can do this more efficiently in a leaner way without." This structure or this expenditure, and you know, it's just making sure there's a shared vision of making the business work. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and look, you know, it's been it's probably been a, a well trodden path with internet uh, startups, tech startups mm. for for you know, quite some time. Even back, dot com one, I was involved in a you know, and there was an employee share scheme, but it it was all. Um, you know, it was all quite speculative as to where the business yeah. would end. Um, but mm. so for um, we, we have a large a large number of SMEs in Australia, as we all know. A lot of them, I think, sixty to seventy percent are owned by individuals or families. Are you know over the age of fifty odd? So is that you know succession exit oh, planning for them? Are, you know, going to be where this really might take hold? Absolutely. I I, I think the um, it is the area that um, employee ownership Australia are getting the greatest number of inquiries. Um, okay. And, and they're almost scripted. It's, I really want to do this. Um, I know that it can be done because I've, you know, somewhere else in the world's done it, um, but I just don't know how to do it. But I need to find something that enables me to um, provide this business back to my employees or keep it in my community, or allow it to continue, or allow me to have an ongoing engagement in it. Um, right. So it's a really strong message. Um, and I think particularly in, in the current economic climate, um, it, it, it's more important than ever. Because I, you asked me before, uh, Michael, what are the observations about uh, employee ownership? One of the pieces that comes through is um, uh, they're much more robust in the times of economic decline, they're much more likely to survive than a non-employee-owned business. Right. So, and and the, that evidence, you you we talked about at the start, your um, closer association with Graham Nuttall and the work mm. that's being done in the UK, and and um, so is that some of the? Uh, th- there's a lot more evidence. It's been a lot more. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it would be um, great. It would. There's a paucity of evidence in Australia because there aren't as many reports. Um, the UK has huge research. Um, and for, for those who are interested, um, the Nuttall report, which was is now probably five to ten years or ten years old, um, and that you can access through our website. I can, we can pass details on the We will but, we will do that. Yeah. Yet. But it has a great exposition of the data and the research across a whole range of areas as to where employee ownership has been really, really helpful. Okay. Um, and it, it, it's, but it, again, to go to the point of sort of the, your observation about earlier about different ends of the spectrum, um, 
particularly around the um, uh, baby boomer succession, um, it's where it's the real sweet spot because it's an established business and all of the things that we talked about before are, are much easier to, to leverage. Yeah, look, and th- those those jobs in those businesses are, yeah, as you say, more important than ever. And, you know, without a, an obvious leader to take it over, jobs at risk, it, it gets worse in regional areas where the, you know, the dependence and reliance on these uh, SMEs in, in, a, in a small regional town, are just it's so critical to the, the infrastructure of the town, the commercial infrastructure that those businesses are sustained beyond the current ownership. And so it's interesting also to look at it from an employee's perspective. Is there... Is it a bit of a challenge to step up to uh, to become an owner? What does that look like? How do they, how yeah. do they handle the change? Yeah, it, 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 it's a great question. I mean, again, if you go to the empirical um, uh, evidence of it, you know, what's the outcome of it? The outcome of it is um, uh, much, much greater engagement, collaboration and engagement. People actually want to be there. Um, you know, when all else in life fails, do something you really want to do, um, and and so and again you've then got um, through through enhanced business performance, greater economic outcome, financial benefits. But I guess the thing that I always go, go back to on this, Michael, is this is not just about financial benefits. They're an outcome. Um, yeah, yeah. But 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 this 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 model of ownership um, uh, produces that outcome through a whole range of levers. Look, and, and you, I think you hinted at it earlier. There, I, I deal with a lot of business owners, and and people are in business. To families are in business to to make a living and make some money, create wealth. But um, it, it's not always 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 about how much money or the maximum amount of money. There, you know, there are other reasons people are in business and and people stay in business. So, um, I, you know, there's. I think in some of the material I've read on on the website, legacy, you know, is, is something that that pops up a, a lot. So the, the the existing owners want to see the business continue. Is that is that a oh absolutely a absolutely? And, and I you alluded earlier, uh, Michael, to um, regional Australia and, and small business in re- regional Australia. Um, one of the or the areas that we're getting a lot of interest is around medical dental infrastructure okay. I've got a medical practice I've got a dental practice in um, in, a, in a regional town I may be the only dental practice uh, for you know, insert square brackets number of kilometers um, and I want to actually maintain a sustainable practice um, for the next 20 years for the town um, and that's not about selling it to, um, even if there were a buyer, it's not about selling it to, to an organisation that may not have the same ethos around the practice. Um, so there's a lot of interest around medical, dental, and providing that kind of infrastructure uh, in, in regional Australia, which is absolutely fascinating. Well, look, it, it, it is, um, it's part of the, you can't have a viable town without certain businesses in town and they range from you know decent medical um through to 
perhaps, um, you know, a, a post office or perhaps a, a news agency or perhaps a bar or, you know, a pub. So, that, yeah, you can see that um, those owners would, um, you know, would not want to leave where they've been for a long time without that service continuing. Mm. And, in, in, and in many instances, they don't necessarily want to stop. Um, yeah, right. This is not a, this is not this is not the binary not moment where yeah. yeah it's not retirement it's not the binary moment where I shut the door and I sell it off to someone else and their problem I want to be involved but I don't want it to be everything twenty four seven in my life yeah, yeah and yeah that it, it it it's that employee ownership gives you a, the opportunity to develop that kind of mix where you know ultimately it may be a complete sell down to the employees or it may well be that the family keeps um, an interest in there, uh, and, and you keep engaged as as a, as a founder for some time. Yeah. Uh, no, great. Look, by, by the way, we're we're talking with Andrew Clements from uh, King and Wood Mallisons, who's also chair of Employee Ownership Australia. And I should have mentioned earlier, my uh, co-host David Gregory was unable to make the interview today. So, um, anyway, back to the questions, um, Andrew. We want to. Um, I'd like to be able to paint a picture of the, the kind we talked a little bit there about medical dental but what other kinds of typical or normal small businesses have you seen uh, benefit from employee ownership mm. yeah it's, it's interesting we, we talked about the extremes michael we talked about the sort of baby boomer succession version version versus the startup version what a, a really interesting project that i'm actually working on with graham at the moment um is for a consulting firm um and there are um, three founders who are absolutely committed to creating an employee-owned, um, uh, economically responsible uh, business. And their strong belief is they can best achieve that through uh, engaged employee ownership. Now, interestingly, um, they come to it with a particular mindset that actually means that the employee ownership piece is really just providing a legal infrastructure to accommodate what they do um, because so much of this is around, around a mindset. So, so in terms of a business, it could be consulting, it could be uh, financial services, it could be a manufacturing enterprise. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And, um, or, or, um, sorry, don't have to go... The other area that we that, that I think is interesting in this context is agriculture, because again, yeah. um, you know, uh, you've got a, a valuable asset, land, but a business and an owner who may or may not have a desire to w- keep working the land for the rest of time and doesn't have um, uh, a family that wants to take it over. Splitting out the business enterprise versus the land, that actually working out a model that has continuing ownership and reward for uh, the, the the employees in the organisation and a level of reward for the landowners is just a really interesting perspective on rather than I simply sell and move out. It's a real it's a real conundrum because you've got the same goes for other some other types of businesses where there's the real estate. The underlying real estate is really important in the business, and it's no more uh, apparent in in agriculture. And if you bought that land fifty or a hundred years ago, your cost base is completely different to somebody having to come in and borrow and buy that at today's value. So, it, it, it there's this sort of big yearning gap between, um, you know, the 
what someone could make out of the land and make a living from now versus what you know somebody else coming in would need to make borrowing all the money and investing in all of the, the cost to buy the business yeah, yeah it's really um it's really challenging so with um for for smes you you, you said that that's that you're seeing a lot more inquiry could you talk just at a high level about the employee ownership we don't want to get into too technical details but um what what is what what could it look like is it, it there are um different ways to do it absolutely absolutely so so to to, to again at the two ends of the spectrum um there's what, what I call the allocated share plan. And by allocated, that's the traditional share plan where, um, you know, uh, Michael, you're an employee. I give you X number of shares in the, in the company. You hold them. Um, you'll get the dividends. You get the growth whilst you're an employee. And when you leave, you may well sell them or you may um, uh, uh, keep them. But allocated, you actually have the shares. You have the interest. Um, and... That's the traditional model that we've looked at in Australia around share share ownership yeah, okay. within, within business. Um, well, the, the, the other end of the spectrum is the, the the unallocated model, and that is the essence of the model that uh, Graham Nuttall um, generated in the UK and got government support and introduced it. Um, uh, and now it's become a mainstream structure. And the difference is that the shares are not held for particular employees. So it's not, Michael, that I gave you 4.2% uh, of the company, but rather I've created a structure whereby a percentage of the share ownership is held for the benefit of employees generally. Okay, and so and the employees can come and go, but it doesn't change. Um, if you're an employee at the time, you get a share of it. If you're not, yep. you don't. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. And you, you've alluded to a really important point there, which is um, employee ownership in the gig economy. Yeah. Where, where suddenly you've got high turnover in the workplace where a traditional allocated share plan perhaps isn't um, as effective. So that's why we're beginning to look at these unallocated plans um, as a means of providing employees with an ability to influence, have some control, um, and generate some economic uh, benefit. Okay, so um, you're you're you've been involved in in the policy settings in Australia closely. Are we going to we're we're, we're coming up to the time where we're going to have to unfortunately close out? But a couple of things I, I did want to cover before then was. The work you've been doing through Employee Ownership Australia, do you see the cost and complexity for those typical small business owners coming down over the next few years so that it becomes something they can embrace and um, and look look at as a succession but also to get their business um, employees involved in the business? I, Michael, it is the number one goal that I've got at the moment is to simplify the process of providing employee ownership. And indeed, it was the strong message uh, when we appeared before the Tax and Revenue Committee of the committee. There was a strong desire that said, we want to be able to accommodate and do, do this, and we want to make it as simple as possible. Okay. Um, so success is um, breaking this down to a form where it is accessible um, to small business without need for a battery of lawyers and accountants. Um, and 
that has its challenges. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic given um, the nature and benefits associated with this. Um, and indeed, the fact that this review came from the Treasurer's office, um, that, uh, that, that we'll see a, a positive report from the committee and, and hopefully uh, some form of legislative reform. So was, was that originated by that department or, or how did that come about? No, no. That- it, it, it actually came out of the office of the Treasurer. So okay. uh, Josh Frydenberg um, had previously um, sought a review of the corporate regulation, and by that I mean the rules that allow shares to be offered to people, um, and that was that was done last year. Uh, but Josh then um, came and brought forward uh, a, a review of a parliamentary committee that looks at tax and revenue, which was fundamentally saying, how do we make the tax rules better to my words, uh, promote, not prevent employee ownership. Okay, so that, that's a yeah, that's fantastic to hear. Um, you know, the you know for for a whole range of reasons. One is that um, employees play such a critical role in every business, and I, I think most owners um, could get a lot more from the business, not just financially, but making it a more you know a, a better functioning workplace, and um, from having you know the right employees and having them incented. And it's also, again, uh, with the large number of businesses owned by older owners, we're, we've got to come up with a solution for that. It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it threatens, uh, you know, there's, you, you read various reports, and, um, but look, there's certainly a lot of them, so it's really pleasing to hear. Um, could we just uh, close out with um, your final thoughts um, on what a couple of owners listening in should do to, you know, kind of get ready for employee ownership. Yeah, um, at the risk of giving a plug, my for not our, but the Employee Ownership Australia website, um, there's some really good material on there. Um, there, yeah. there. There are a series of webcasts on there that look at really the basics of employee ownership. Why? What are the important decisions that you need to make when you go to implement it? Um, and what are the really basic nuts and bolts, things that you need to think about? Because I think it's framing that point of view and understanding why you're doing it that generates success. Yeah, look, I can personally endorse it. I've, I've spent a, quite a bit of time looking around. It's an excellent resource. So, Andrew, sadly, we need to leave it there. Uh, really appreciate your time. And, and maybe you could keep us uh, in the loop on how you're tracking. We could get you back. In a couple of months, it sounds like it's moving pretty fast, but we really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. No, thank you for the opportunity and certainly I'd love to tell you more. So that's all for today's episode of Small Business Banter. David and I continue to be inspired by bringing you small business experts and hearing your stories. For any of the links resources or information we've talked about on the show today or to contact David or I, please head over to smallbusinessbanter.com. And David and I would love you to tune in at the same time next week for another episode of Small Business Banter.